Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlo and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The LSU Tigers got it done and mother nature allowed them to get it done as jay johnson's team records a 13 to 7 victory over oregon state in the regional championship didn't need the extra game the winner take all game tigers took care of business and now they move on to the super regionals which they will host this coming weekend against Kentucky, who's already made a trip to the box this year as the Tigers took two of three from the Wildcats earlier in the season. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. I'm joined inside the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Two Degrees. Mr. NCAA regional fanatic, Dawson Iserlo. And look, we're going to start off today's show talking about LSU, obviously, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. You're a little sluggish today, right? I came in, you're a little down. I know, I know what it is. I know what it is. You have told us, and you told us all last week, that this is last weekend was one of your favorite weekends of the year. It was like Christmas for D-Lo, the NCAA regional weekend, and it yep. came to a close yesterday. So now you're a little bummed about yeah, it. Yeah, it's tough. There you, know, you go. Bro. I was hoping we were going to have a Tuesday, if necessary, game uh, weather-related. You know, somehow just keep something it, gets keep pushed it going. back. Yeah, let's just, keep let's it just going. play it into next week. No, and also, I mean, in it, in, in all honesty, too, the ability, the, the the inability to kind of slow down. Like there were games on from eleven a.m. to you know midnight every night. In the <laughs> it last. start. It started with Florida and Texas Tech. And I stayed up last night and watched Stanford all the way through. And um, so no, it's just been a long four days. It's been a long four days. You love it. Yeah. You love it. But it is a bit of a, a marathon. It was because of weather wrecking havoc across the board. Right. Right. There you go. My man's trying to recover today. Today, t- Today's a recovery day for D-Lo. He's trying to, he's like, oh, I made it. I got through. I made it. <laughs> we're, going to, we're, we're going to talk a lot about the NCAA regionals coming to a close. We'll start to look ahead a little bit to super regionals, but we'll really do a deep dive on that starting tomorrow, getting prepared for the weekend, uh, weekend slate of super regional action. We'll also touch on the Houston Astros. We'll get some Raging Cajun talk in as well. And of course, LSU Tiger talk. Brett Chancy from Locked On Astros is scheduled to join us today. Wilson Alexander, LSU reporter from The Advocate. 
and the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and ESPN Plus broadcaster for Raging Cajun Athletics, Dan McDonald, will join us. So those are the three guests we have lined up for you today. Of course, we'd love to hear from you. You know that. Game hotline's always open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we start off with LSU. 16th Super Regional in program history. That's what they clinched yesterday with the 13-7 win. 19 hits. 19 hits, including four home runs. They just were magnificent hitting the long ball in particular against Oregon State. Four home runs yesterday. They hit five on Sunday. They were feeling themselves, so to speak, there at the box. And yesterday, Jay Johnson takes the approach and we he goes out there and starts the guy that he trusts. And we've talked a lot about this and some LSU fans haven't been the biggest fan of the young man who started the game, Riley Cooper. But this is someone that Jay trusts, right? Riley played for him at Arizona. This is a guy that he can trust to go out there. And sure enough, they were able to piece it together yesterday with the pitching. Riley pitched nearly four innings for them. Only gave up two runs on two hits. Did his job. Uh, Look, when you have the lineup that LSU has, if you can go out there and have the pitching staff only give up, yeah, I hate to say it this way because I'm old school, a team giving up seven runs, (laughs) it's a lot of runs to me. But when you're LSU and you have that lineup that can get you four, five, six home runs in a game, It's kind of just ridiculous, right? The lineup is magnificent. Has been all season long. We've talked about it. We've beat the table that this is the best lineup in the country. They also have the best pitcher in the country. Can they get enough pitching from everyone else to get it done? And they get through the regional round. And he trusts Riley, throws him out there first. Ackenhausen comes out, does not have a great performance. Let's be real here. There was some talk of possibly him being used as a starter yesterday. He comes in to relieve Cooper. And look, two hits, two runs. Guy didn't do his best. But Griffin Herring pitched well for a little while. And then Gavin Gidry was brought in. So all the pitchers gave up earned runs. And seven is a big number. And I had LSU fan texting me. LSU fans in my family, LSU fans in my circle texting me. Like, oh, man. I was like, guys, (laughs) just pump the brakes. They're doing enough to get the job done. That's, That's what it all boils down to. You don't get any style points here for winning in dominant fashion. You don't get any style points for putting up lopsided victories. It is win and advance. That's all that matters. And even though it may have looked a little ugly yesterday, 
as the pitching staff gave up seven runs, it was enough to get the win. And that's all that matters. Because now, LSU advances to the Super Regionals. And what Jay did back on Friday, deciding to start Paul Skeens, guess what, is paying off now because Paul's going to have a full week D-Lo of rest and preparation. He will go out there and he will be the first game starter for the Super Regional. You go out there, you throw your best guy, he can get you the win, and then you have the distinct advantage in the Super Regional Series against an SEC school that you've already played this season. I mean, and also seven runs, but three of them were in the ninth inning in garbage time. Correct. I thought it was fine. Yeah, Cooper gave you exactly what you needed. He came out in the fourth, and I think you already knew you were kind of stretching your limits there by throwing him in the fourth inning, too. Right. He's he's a guy that can give you three innings. Yeah, he's yeah. a middle relief guy. And, I mean, look, they've stretched him out a couple of times. It's not like this was the first time. I mean, I, I heard him on the broadcast mention. I think he had a, a game where he threw over 80 pitches earlier in the year. But, um, you know, also, by the way, he gave up a two-run homer to Gavin Turley, who had quite a weekend. Um, the guy's pretty good. Yeah. So it wasn't, yeah, you know. slightly. Slightly. And and I think the other thing is is then Jay I thought I like the way he did it too he gets one more out from him and then he brings him and then he goes and gets him mm-hmm. but he's able to kind of get that taste out of his mouth and I think you're you got a guy in Riley who's now got some confidence moving forward and you know you're going to need him uh, in the supers in Lexington and certainly if you make it to Omaha but um, I thought that was exactly what they needed and yeah and 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 I kind of mentioned this at times yesterday I felt like the offense for them had just, you know, even though it had scored enough runs to win some games for him, it hadn't really broken out. And you got yesterday what I was kind of waiting on, 19 hits, 13 runs. Like, that's what you kind of did, especially against a depleted pitching staff. Um, and look, and you, know, you could tell, and, and to your point yeah. there, look, LSU had eight different guys with uh, having a multi-hit game. Yeah, and I mean, I, and you know. Oregon State's pitching was gassed, right? right? You could tell that watching the game, you're like, okay, they, they, they have no one left. They, they just didn't. They didn't have any pitching left. And that's what you do. You take advantage of those situations, right? Now, the one thing Oregon State pitching did a pretty good job of was avoiding walks, but it's at the same time, it, it didn't really matter. You know what I mean? And that's what happens when you give up 19 hits. And I thought there was a couple things that I saw that, that I actually wrote down that stood out to me. Tommy White, who, you know, a couple of big spots this weekend that he didn't get the clutch hit, but he gets a huge one yesterday. He's yep. only one for five, but he goes the opposite way as well. And Tommy White, when he's driving that ball right field, it's funny too. They always I, you see the shift against him so often, and I understand. I guess the numbers tell you is more likely, but how often does he push that ball through the right side with power too? He hits it hard the other way, and it was a it was a hard hit ground ball. You say ground ball, but it was hit. I mean, the, the exit velo was probably pretty solid on it. Uh, and that scores two runs. I thought that was big to kind of get him going in that in that way. You kind of need you're going to need him going into next week. The other guy that stood out to me that got a a, a big time hit was Gavin Dugas because it felt like he was in he was due for one right, and he gets he gets that home run there in the seventh inning, and you were like. Because you're going to need Gavin for the Supers and for Omaha as well. He hadn't really got going in this regional. He'd been a, a little bit off. So he got a hit that definitely yeah, can help his confidence as well moving forward. Jordan Thompson, who's also, you know, overall his average has dipped in the past, you know, segment of the season, but he was pretty good in this tournament. Dylan Cruz getting going. Look, it's not like we're surprised, but Oh, he's the best player in college. He had baseball. that he had that dip at the end of the regular season, right? That little kind yep. of stretch of three or four weeks where his average went down a good bit and he was getting out more more than we're at least used to seeing him get out. 
So, I mean, he was just fantastic in this tournament. I, the breaking ball that he hit off the off the Tony Shashri sign, was just, I mean, that ball was hit a million miles an hour. And how about a couple of guys that started off the year and you were going, how are they going to be utilized? And they have stepped up in such a huge way late in the season and in this regional. Cade Beloso, right? Yep. He's the old man of the group. He's the been there forever. Guy, yep. And Hayden Travinsky, who was the backup. Yeah, and Travinsky's hitting 427 for the year, which, I mean, he's, it's it's insane. And that's limited at bats, but still, I mean, at this point, he's, he's, he's now, you know, accumulated a decent number of them. And yeah, no, I remember there was a stretch in the year where you're sitting there with his, with, and his numbers were always pretty good, but you were going, man, he's not playing him every day. And, and I think it, it was all part of the plan, but I think there came a time where Jay Johnson was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I got to get him in the lineup. Right, and he's been just he's been matter. he's been absolutely phenomenal for them, and so has uh, Beloso. He has been great for them as well. So, Tigers heating up. They get the win yesterday. Beat Oregon State. They punch their ticket to the Super Regionals for the sixth time, sixteenth time rather in program history, and they'll be taking on the Kentucky Wildcats, who survived Indiana yesterday to win the Lexington Regional. They'll be coming to Baton Rouge. By the way, these two teams faced off earlier in the year. LSU took two of three, but it was a wildly entertaining series. Could be one heck of a super regional at the box this coming weekend. We got to take a timeout. When we return, though, here on RP3 and Company, we'll hear from the Tigers themselves after wrapping up a regional victory and punching their tickets to the Supers. That's all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. He wanted to pitch today. I mean, he got to us after the game was over, and I'd already had it in my mind that this what we were going to do. Um, but um, it was like, hey, man, I, let's go. Like, give me the ball and we're going to win kind of attitude. And I thought that's how he pitched in Hoover also. Um, you know, if we would have uh, done a little bit more with uh, Hagen Smith from Arkansas, we would have won that game largely because of how well he pitched. And, and I believe Arkansas is one of the best teams in the country. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with how he's been down the stretch. He pitched good in that game. We lost, the, the game we lost, the lead to Mississippi State, he was the guy that came in and gave us a chance. And, um, you know, pitched good in Hoover. So it's, it's been pretty good. We've been on an upward tick here lately. That's LSU skipper Jay Johnson talking about Riley Cooper on his last couple of outings. And look, we, we talked about this, Dawson, a month ago. If they could just find their guys to eat up innings, that they didn't need to be great, that they would have a chance to go all the way to Omaha and win a national title. You have the best pitcher in the country already. Done. Ty has pitched ex- extremely well. Now, is Ty 
Paul Skeens? No, but he's good enough. So then it boils down to, okay, can the bullpen and whoever else you're going to have to throw on day three, can they be good enough to get the job done? And they got, in the last three weeks or so, they've gotten good performances from Riley Cooper. They've gotten good performances from Thatcher Hurd. They've gotten good performances from Gavin. So then they've been able to kind of piece it together. And yesterday they were able to piece it together. And this shows promise. It doesn't mean they're guaranteed to make it to Omaha. Because as we know, baseball, anything can happen. But from what we saw at the very tail end of the season in the SEC tournament and now through the regional, that some of these guys that have had up and down seasons at times have been bad have improved and can be counted on to pitch you two, three innings at a time. And really, that's all Jay Johnson needs right now. He just needs these guys to be able to put together two to three innings at a time, whether that's Thatcher or whether that's Riley or whoever it may be. Go out there, get them three innings, and you're set. As long as they don't go out there and pitch three innings and give up seven runs, LSU's going to have a chance to win any game they play. That's kind of what I've been saying for two and a half months, right? Is like it doesn't matter how they're pitching right now. It's just going to be about two, three weekends. And the, your first step was a check mark. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like anybody was dominant per se. Thatcher maybe had one of his better outings of the year with you know twelve strikeouts. And um, you know, look outside of if you're looking at this series overall, the two games against Oregon State, especially. I mean. You know, Oregon State had a couple of guys account for a ton of their run production. Outside of that, LSU did a good job pretty yep. much limiting the lineup. Um, and um, that's kind of what they needed to do. And, of course, the offense needed to do its thing, and, and I don't think we had any doubts. So they score 7, 6, and 13 runs. Yeah, that's going to be right in the ballpark of keeping the air in every game. And luckily for them, um, that's the other thing to, to think of. Yesterday's actually the most runs they gave up in this regional, and most of them were in the ninth inning. So Yes. That's that's all positives. Um, now, Kentucky looked good yesterday, and they can pitch. And the fact that Kentucky was in a Game 7 winner-take-all situation in a regional, and they held Indiana, who was a great offensive team, to two runs. Uh, I think depth-wise, Kentucky's got more pitching than LSU does. But, of course, I think the LSU lineup's significantly better. So, um, you know, you have the overall better team, and you saw that when you beat, beat them two out of three earlier. But I, I don't know. I think, and I, I kind of tossed this idea around yesterday. I thought Indiana was the team that LSU would probably prefer to play. Um, just because, and, and I was there actually for the series finale against Kentucky. I remember kind of talking to some people in the press box that Kentucky plays that brand of baseball that can frustrate you at times. And uh, offensively, they're going to do a lot of putting pressure on the def- on defenders. They're going to lay bunts down. They're going to run. Uh, they got a little bit of Matt Deggs in them. It's not quite the same style of approach but they're going to do different things offensively to try to frustrate you and then they're really yep. going to pitch and so it's an interesting matchup because yeah LSU did get tested a lot in that series um, and they ended up winning two out of three but that last game which I think it was actually a Saturday I think it was one of those Thursday through Saturday series um, for the finale uh, like that game was back and forth and, and not um, in you know it was in question for a long time but they did find a way to win it and now you know you kind of have the same scenario right you're back at the same stadium and you're going to play a three game series against that team there's just a lot more on the line this time they won one of the games by mercy rule in 8 innings LSU did yeah, that's that was how, the Thursday night game yeah. that was the Thursday night game 
But then they lost the slugfest 13 to 10. And then they won the 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 finale seven to six. Yeah, and that's seven to six games when I was at, and, and it was it was one of the better I thought played games LSU played throughout the year because Kentucky really really swung at you, and they, and they had a couple of big doubles at some timely uh, moments there, um, and and LSU had to like the pitching was struggling throughout that contest, but they kind of limited the damage, and then in the end they came up with a couple of clutch hits, ended up winning the game, but. Um, that was that was an interesting kind of series. It was a point in the season where they still hadn't lost the series. Um, they were still feeling pretty, you know, invincible at that point, right? Yeah. Even though they played a little bit poorly in the last two games, they found a way to still win it. And it was like, man, I don't know if this ca- this team's capable of losing a series, right? Um, so, you know, lots happened since then. Some things are in different situations, but largely, you know, you're going to have some similar matchups. I think you're going to see similar pitching decisions uh obviously LSU's rotations progress a little bit and now you're in a different spot I I do think it's going to be interesting that we're going to talk about throughout the week just like we did last week about the pitching staff is you know I think it's it's pretty fair to assume it's going to be Skeens and Floyd on the first two days but if Floyd gives you a more prototypical outing and doesn't have some sort of weird rain delay that messes it up um I think Thatcher Hurt's going to be a great candidate to start the third game or does Jay Johnson like him in that kind of hybrid role where he can bring him out of the bullpen even if he's going to give him some length um you know use him as a long reliever if if somebody doesn't have their best outing whether it be in that second or third game or even if something weird happens with Skeens. and it's going to be a wildly entertaining super regional it's going to be ultra competitive the sec in a weird way some people thought they had a disappointing regional performance but they still got six teams into the super regional round and they're still going to have a number of teams going to Omaha because of SEC on SEC matchups so there'll at least be two teams making it to Omaha (laughs) so it's still all in all I would would guess it's gonna be more than two it's probably going to be more than two yes it's it really looks like Florida kind of woke up uh, in the past couple of days after an early loss in that tournament, and they handled Texas Tech without a whole lot of trouble yesterday. Um, now, the interesting thing was the late, you know, the nightcap. There was so much. I mean, I was actually getting tired of it. And you know, the funny thing is, it's not like I'm, like, in tune to the Texas Tech A&M debates. I was already tired of the debates, and it didn't even happen yet, <laughs> about who was going to host that series, which it was a fascinating concept, right, that the committee was going to have to make that decision. And then after all that, A&M lost pretty, you know, without really much of a whimper, as Stanford dominated them late last night in the last game of the regional, which is the reason I'm so tired this morning, uh, because they play on the West Coast. But anyway, all that to say, A&M doesn't even make it an issue, and now it's not a question. Stanford's going to host that, that Super Regional anyway. There you go. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it, is, it is pretty fun. Now, we talked about, you know, at the box, how electric it was. The atmosphere was off the charts yesterday for a Monday afternoon game after a rainy weekend that's just how special it is at the box for LSU baseball and Dylan Cruz the All-American the best player in college baseball I don't think it's probably any question there has he was asked yesterday after they wrapped up the regional has the this postseason at the box met his own expectations and this is what the All-American had to say yeah um, I mean yeah it's definitely lived up to the, to the expectations that I had for sure um, the, the energy the atmosphere is unbelievable um, and you know all the guys I think were 
really uh, has some has some tunnel vision and for this weekend, and it was uh, it, it worked out. Everybody was gelling um, pretty well this weekend, and um, we just passed it to the next guy really. And we had faith in all the guys. Uh, all the pitchers came in and, and pounded the zone and um, did what they needed to do. You could tell they were feeding off the energy of the crowd. Remember last year they had to go to Southern Miss. They haven't had this experience, the majority of this group. It's different. It's just different when you have the home crowd and the home crowd is electric and they're geared up for a Monday afternoon game. It's just different. Yeah, and and, and I caught um, pieces and parts of this game uh, on the game as I was coming back from a dentist appointment in the first couple innings. But uh, it was, you know, and they mentioned, actually, you know, Blair and the guys mentioned that it was kind of late arriving, late arriving crowd. You know, they were talking, they were actually joking about, you know, whether people were taking their lunch breaks and this and that and that. But by the third, fourth inning, like, the crowd had kind of settled in and you started to feel a little bit of that impact. And I, I just really appreciate how uh, the AC was down and we could hear that clip. And I, thanks to Tiger Bay for getting that clip for us. But... uh that was a nice contrast because a lot of the audio we've been playing recently, I have been um, stressed about the audio levels, but that was really clear, and Dylan Cruz sounded great right there. But, no, overall, I think the the kind of the way that the that postseason baseball impacts, you know, teams from a crowd standpoint is always interesting to me to, like, compare it to Major League Baseball. I think it has much more of an impact uh, than, than in the pros with this sport specifically, and I think you could probably say the same in, in most of the college sports. Right, but like these guys feed off of emotion much more, I would think, than than major league players do. You know, and and part of that is not being professionals, and 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 certainly, uh, you know, you have a little bit more energy and exuberance when you're playing as as college kids. But like, it matters, and I think you saw that in a couple of different regional sites, like not just the box. Um, now, there were actually more non-hosts that won their tournaments than I even expected coming into the season. But I think a couple of couple of different situations you saw, man, like the fact that that team was playing at home. I thought Kentucky, for all the jokes we had about the situation and the setup and everything that they had with the, you know, dorm rooms and everything like that. I thought that was one of the more electric regional sites all weekend. And I thought yesterday in that regional final, Indiana had a lot more. Which you know we talked about the proximity not being too bad. Indiana Correct. had a lot of people there, um, but Kentucky still had the home field advantage, and I think it helped them in a in a really gritty four to two win. I agree. We'll talk more, obviously, about LSU's win over Oregon State and punching their ticket to the Supers when Wilson Alexander will join us later on on today's show. We do have a poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise of the NCAA baseball regionals? Was it Oral Roberts advancing to the Supers? Was it Vanderbilt losing at home in the Nashville regional? Was it Arkansas getting smashed in the Fayetteville regional? I don't what happened to pig suey man or was it indiana state surviving and advancing to the supers right now 59 percent of you say arkansas getting smashed 18 percent say vanderbilt losing 14 percent say oral roberts advancing and nine percent say indiana state surviving early comment from ralph arkansas gets smashed is this about the ncaa regionals or john daly oh man biggest surprise would be (laughs) any regional that didn't have to deal with weather issues go tigers Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day and make sure to leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game.
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So regionals are now in the books. Dawson is sad, obviously, because it's one of his favorite times of the year. But we do get some immensely intriguing super regional matchups, which we will dive into throughout the week. But let's talk about the regionals themselves. And that, you know, is our poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise? Dawson and I both told you, look out, and Stillwater Lookout in Fayetteville. And we ended up not being wrong there. I kind of expected some things there. I'm surprised by how poorly Arkansas did play, though, even though I thought they had a chance to lose. But the way they played was a bit surprising to me. I just thought they would have played better. They didn't. And that was a little surprising to me. Not that TCU beat them, but just how Arkansas played in their own regional. Yeah, and I think it also turns into one of those situations where I'm not saying TCU pitch. I mean, uh, Arkansas, I'm not saying they pitch particularly well because clearly they didn't. But also, TCU feels like a team nobody wants to play right now. They feel dangerous. I mean, that yes. just and – it, and it, I don't want to get too ahead of myself and start saying it reminds you of Ole Miss last year. But in a way, you know, there's shades of that because they – I mean, look, they, the, t- there's a reason they weren't a regional host, right? They had points in the season where they struggled. Um, they had legitimate points in the season where they were not a great team. Correct. And yet – they had, you know, clearly done enough to become an NCAA tournament team. It wasn't as close as Ole Miss was last year, where they were kind of really biting their nails to get in. Um, but they came into this regional, and I mean, what's the to- and the total run scored? It ends up being for TCU in this regional, uh, forty-four runs in three games. <laughs> I mean, forty-four runs in three games, and and that four runs. And by the way, that's a not a, you know that's not like they had a game again against a week four seed that was mixed in. That's against Arizona once and Arkansas twice. Like that's the three teams they faced. They just destroyed everyone they faced. Eight runs was their smallest margin of victory in this. In and this we talked tournament. about how dangerous they were coming in because of how they performed in the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah, I did pick them to win the regional. Uh, you know, just to throw that out there. Uh, oh, there it but, is. There it is. And I'm gonna get my tally of because I picked the 16 regional winners. I you know in no particular order I just have them written down who I had and I'm going to get my total tally on there but I I certainly didn't think it was going to be this dominant and um, you know the 20 runs they scored in that middle game and you (laughs) you talked about whether Arkansas was saving some pitching or not I don't think it mattered who they threw out there to be honest it was it was dominant and um, that's a team when you when you start to look at the super matchup by the way they don't have the most difficult matchup in the world they're going to play Indiana State and they're going to play them at home so 
that's a real, real oh. opportunity for the Horn Frogs to make some noise and potentially be back in Omaha. And um, it's a huge advantage for TC because obviously they're one of the hottest teams in the country with what they did at the Big 12 tournament and then crushing the faces of Arkansas not once but twice. And so they get to the Supers in Indiana State, who wins their regional. They hosted there in Terre Haute, yep. but they they made the announcement last night that they were going to be unable to host a Super Regional. And not to do a big, deep dive into this, but Terre Haute hosts Special Olympics events annually. It's a huge deal for that community. They get a ton of volunteers to come out throughout throughout the entire area to help out putting on the Special Olympics event there in Terre Haute. Well, the Sycamores don't have a ton of baseball history. So... Indiana State and Terre Haute hosted the conference tournament, and then they hosted a regional. But planners probably thought there would be no possibility of them, even though they're hosting a regional, there'd be no possibility of them having to host a super. Well, and it was probably on the books long before this. Correct. Was this is an annual event, right? So. It's an annual event. So a lot of the volunteer base that helps out with the conference tournament and helps out at the regional are being the volunteers for the Special Olympics. So they made the decision. Now, it gets murky here because the NCAA says, you know, uh, you have to be in a certain radius to be able to put teams, you know, at. Because you and I discussed on a group text, well, maybe they could go to another place. Or, you know, there was talk about Kentucky using Louisville's campus for their regional because they had the issue this past weekend with the country music festival. So, but I I haven't got really any clarification on why there was more, there was a somewhat a limitation for Indiana state because look, as someone who lived about 25 to 30 minutes away from there, there is nothing around Terre Haute. Right. So, you know, you're talking probably going outside of an hour well, yeah, to, to, to find places. And so the, the biggest disappointment for me in all this is just for the players that earned this opportunity and the fans who, who don't experience Correct. this. These are teams that and like the thing with the Lexington Regional. Now, Kentucky's baseball history of late hasn't been, you know, dominant. Right. But so this is a bit of a surprise run. But like Kentucky's going to be back in situations to host these types of events. So I wouldn't have even felt as bad. Right. If they didn't get to host, if something would have went. And the other idea, I think the thing, the reason that it gets so upsetting for some people is we just saw the the hoops and 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 little um, exceptions that were made for Lexington last week. So then you sit there, but it does sound like Indiana State themselves wasn't really willing to do that. You know, something they didn't exceptional think, here. I, I think it boiled down to that they didn't think they would have. They made the decision because they didn't think they had the volunteers, the staff, to be able to put it on the way it needs to be put on. Yeah, and it sounds like Lexington basically said, we'll do whatever it takes to get this done, and Indiana State kind of went to the NCAA and said, we're probably not going to be all capable of doing it, just do whatever you have to do. Now, if they didn't have the Special Olympics event, there wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. But, you know, where Lexington, they didn't have volunteers there that were helping out with the country music festival and they also probably have a little bit bigger athletic department you know yeah uh, a little bit more funding so that's can, that that's part Kentucky's of it but tcu it, it gets set up pretty well for them the other one how about southern miss deciding to put all their chips into the middle of the table they throw out hall their best pitcher 
and they got out a win to win the regional and advance to the supers as they all take on Tennessee. And that'll be so I, I you know, there was that situation with AM in Texas where there was gonna have to be a committee decision. Well now the committee decision is all eyes on this one. And I've heard some rumblings about some, you know, people thinking maybe there was a leak that was suggesting it was Southern Miss because one of the publications had already labeled it as Southern Miss. I don't know if that was a mistake or not. We'll get that today. Yeah, right? and it should be very soon. I think uh, I think it's going to be this morning, um, but I'll, we'll, we'll let you know if that comes out. But, yeah, they and that might have been the game of the day yesterday. Penn, if, if, if somebody thought Penn was going to go down without a fight after losing 11-2 to two in the in the previous game that forced the winner-take-all game, you were mistaken. And they hit Tanner Hall, and they got – to him a little bit. They did. Um, now he was pitching on tremendously short rest, and you know I don't think it was ever the plan that he was going to get stretched out super long in this game. But he gave Southern Miss some outs, and they pieced it together, and they needed the offense to come alive, and it did. And so, yeah, they come all the way out of the losers bracket, the first game losers bracket, which again you don't see that in regionals very often. They do it by beating Auburn first, getting rid of the host team, then coming back and beating Sanford, and then beating Penn twice. Um, and they're back right in the Supers, which is right back where they were last year, and this time they'll have a chance to try to finish the finish the job. After last year, they uh, they ended up falling in the Supers, so it'll be interesting. And they'll be facing a team that did the same thing. Yep. Tennessee, remember last year, was the number one ranked team in the country. They get upset in the Supers. They don't make it to Omaha, and now they have an opportunity to get back. And we've talked about this before. We had Todd Walker on the show about a month or so ago, and he mentioned, you know, Tennessee is one of those teams to kind of keep an eye on. Either way, there's going to be at least two SEC teams as, in addition to the Kentucky LSU Super Regional, we'll also have Florida South Carolina Super Regional. So we'll have two Super Regionals, all SEC teams. And then obviously you got Tennessee versus Southern Miss and another one. And then uh, good luck to Alabama versus Wake Forest because Wake Forest looked like an absolute machine over the weekend we got to take a timeout. when we return here on rp3 and company we'll wrap up our number one update that poll question of the day that's all next right here on the game this is rp3 and company on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Don't! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, poll question of the day. Now that the regional weekend is behind us, everything got wrapped up yesterday. We have our super regional set. What was the biggest surprise of the NCAA baseball regionals? Right now, 50% of you say Arkansas getting smashed in their own regional. 25% of you say Vanderbilt losing. 19% say Oral Roberts advancing. 6% say Indiana State surviving. 
Man, so everybody had uh, everybody had Oral Roberts in their brackets, right? I mean, what? <laughs> I don't know, man. That's that was surprising to me. I mean, and I told you about them, but I didn't uh, think they're going to win the whole thing. There it is. There it is. He's like, oh, really? That's amazing. I didn't realize. No, I know you have to pick one, and then the Arkansas was surprising as well. I just, I don't know. The results are early. We, we don't have a ton of votes in on the ballot yet. We'll see how that changes throughout the morning. There we go, bud. There we go. Let's get to some comments. B-Rad says, all of the above. And Oklahoma State being a national seed and a regional host getting outscored 24-8. to Just hope this College World Series doesn't end up looking like the SEC tournament. Go Tigers. I mean, it well, could. It, yeah, but it won't. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a max of four teams. So, you know, I mean, that would be half and that would be significant. But when you look at the distribution of host sites and everything like that, wouldn't be entirely surprising. Uh, and, obviously, LSU, Kentucky in one super, Florida, South Carolina in another super. So we're going to get at least two teams. I don't like Alabama's chances against Wake Forest. I just don't. And Tennessee seems interesting to me i kind of like their chances against southern miss i do so i could see three teams but you're gonna have so the interesting thing is you're gonna have at least two but at most four you're only gonna have correct and it's at most four but we're again that wake forest when that'd be that'd be a big you know big uphill battle for alabama to oh, win yeah. oh it's gonna be huge john paul on the twitter says i think the biggest story is indiana state giving up the rights to host a super regional to keep its commitment to the special olympics so that's why TCU will be hosting them instead. Yeah, and look, it's it's going to be a story. It's going to be talked about a lot. I understand why they're doing it. And as someone who lived in that area, I reached out to some old friends of mine. And they're disappointed, but they're not angry because of how important the Special Olympics is to that community. So it's one of those things, you know, this isn't not being prepared and not being able to get it done because a country music concert is in town, right? This is the Special Olympics. So it's a little bit different. Disappointing, yes, but a little bit different. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll make sure to share them throughout today's show. All nothing but NCAA regional talk, hour number one. We're going to shift gears a little bit, talk Houston Astros baseball. Well, they got going yesterday. Brett Chancy from Locked on Astros will join us to kick off hour number two next, right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Spent hour number one talking NCAA regionals. That's all we did. LSU beating Oregon State. Hearing from LSU coach Jay Johnson, as well as Dylan Cruz, the All-American 
center fielder. And then we also looked ahead a little bit to the Super Regionals, which are some immensely intriguing matchups. And our poll question of the day is about the biggest surprise from the NCAA Regional Weekend. But we're going to keep it with baseball, but we're going to shift gears a little bit here as we open up hour number two inside the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. As we bring on our guy, Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast. Brett, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Doing good. Um, you know, the uh I'm I'm really hoping the LSU Tigers get back get to Omaha because uh man, Dylan Cruz, that team, what what the coach has done there, looking forward to see how they shape up. But man, the Astros came off a they're coming off a pretty pretty big win last night. Uh yeah, I mean you could say beating uh a team that many thought was gonna be in the mix for the AL East title and at least be a playoff team and beating them 11 to four in their place is a pretty good win. I like how you downplayed that uh, a little bit considerably. Uh, they got to the starting pitcher for the Blue Jays and got to him early and absolutely destroyed him. Six earned runs on seven hits, no strikeouts, a walk, and he only lasted a third of an inning. Uh, did not expect to see that coming, even though the Astros are great. Did not expect them to completely embarrass one of Toronto's starting pitchers like that. Yeah, that was that was a surprise. I know, I know, Alec Manoa is. I mean, he's a shell of himself last year. This season, he's just. I mean, I, I think this point at last um, last season, he was like eight and one. So he's a completely different pitcher. I don't. I don't know if he's got something mechanical going on. I don't know if there's an injury that he's keeping from the Blue Jays. But the Astros just jumped on him. And what was great was Corey Jolks, local product out of Clearbrook High School, University of Houston grad, um, hit his first career grand slam. And uh, you know we like to call him the Incredible Jolks. Um, he just seemed to set the tone, and it wasn't a game where the Astros um, have done earlier in the season where they've scored three or four runs in the first inning, and then they don't score any more runs the rest of the game. They they kept scoring the fourth, fifth, and the eighth inning. They they tacked on runs to give them that 11-4 victory. 11-4 victory. Alvarez, Tucker also get home runs. How about Jake Myers? Uh, there was a lot of talk about him, and, and a lot of Astro fans had some trepidation about Jake, and they gave him the you know sarcastic moniker Rake Myers, but he's actually been playing well this season, Brett. He has. You know, Jake Myers, and I, I, I keep going back to the conversation I had with him at spring training. Um, you know, I really – buy what he's selling. Like he he knows that it's a competition. He knows that there's other guys on this team that could fit into that role as center fielder. You know, Chaz McCormick um had a home run recently when he started and but he's he's now up to two fifty seven. You know, he went four for five. Um just really doing everything he can to show the Astros I'm your starting center fielder. And although these guys will talk like they love the competition, the bottom line is they want to be the guy. And I think Jake's earning this spot. And, you know, 
look, you had Jolks at seven, you had Diaz at eight, and Myers at nine, and those guys went nine for 15 on the day because Diaz matched Myers with a four-hit game as well. So you love to see when the bottom of the lineup is producing. Give me your thoughts on what you've been able to see from Brandon Belak. He only allowed three runs on ten hits, won his third game in four starts. Uh, His stuff isn't magnificent. No one's going to mistake him for Justin Verlander, right? No one's going to think he's a Cy Young Award winner. But he's been called upon to step up with the injuries to this rotation. He's done a pretty good job. Yeah, you know, this, and this is a Brennan Belak that I think that they've always projected. They, coming up through the system, the kind of grades on him, the thought on him is this guy's a third, fourth, or even a fifth guy in a rotation. Just for whatever reason, he's run into some bad luck. But like you say, he doesn't, wow, you know, he, he gets two or three strikeouts a game. A lot of times he may get four or five. He's not a big strikeout guy. But he's a big-body pitcher who's able to, when he gets into trouble, he's able to stay focused. Um, he's got a really good mentality. Um, he was actually the first player on this ball club that I interviewed back in 2019. And just remember being impressed with his work ethic and the way he approaches the game. I talked about him before the season started, that he's going to have significant innings for this team. He's going to be a big part of their regular season. And now I don't know. I mean, look, you've got three pitchers down, you know, and Urquidy and Garcia and McCullers. And so Belak has one. Basically, he doesn't have any other options. And he's gone out and he's done really, really well. The guys have given him run support. I think that's huge as well. Um, and Belak keeps doing it against teams that are actually pretty good. It's not like he they're beating bottom feeder teams. And he did a really good job yesterday. I I love what I'm seeing out of him, and I, I just think that he'll continue to just gain confidence and improve as the season goes on. Well, Brett, um, you know, you mentioned the fact that there are some pitchers down, and of course they've made some adjustments to the rotation with JP France, and of course Blanco made his last start last week. We'll see him again at some point in this Toronto series. Um, is it as simple to you? Is there a pecking order of when a, when guys return, who the first ones on the way out? I guess Blanco is the most recent addition of the rotation, but do you get a sense whether J.P. France or Brandon Belak would be that first one you know, sent back to the bullpen and or the minor leagues when uh, one of those pitchers returns? You know, it's probably, it is probably going to be the, the most recent guys, the guys – they, you know, the seniority thing, the amount of, you know, major league service time has a lot to do with that. And I think with Dusty and this club, the way they work, it will probably be the guy with the least amount of experience, like, like JP France, and not because JP France isn't doing well. It's, they don't, they don't have a spot for him. Um, now, now, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they move. France into the bullpen when Arkady comes back. Are they going to wait for him to come back to where he's you know stretched out the start? Are they going to are they going to put him in kind of like as a bullpen role to build him up? Um, but then again, Blanco may be that guy because France has several more starts under his belt than Blanco, so you could still send Blanco back to AAA to get starts. So he would still be in that mode because I know that they've really wanted a six man rotation. So, 
I don't know because they haven't made any indications because I think they keep saying Urquidy's ahead of schedule, but I keep hearing after the All-Star break. So it'll be definitely a good problem to have to solve, but I think it's going to be the guy that has the least amount of starts. And Blanco, I think, is that first one, then J.P. France. But I think Belak is going to stay on this in this rotation for the for the remainder of the season for sure. Well, and, and you know how impressive is it overall? Because they're in a stretch right now where I think it's it's what sixteen days in a row where they're going to play games, and they're and they're getting towards the tail end of that. But they've actually been able to still be really really productive and win a lot of games in that stretch. And I mean, how impressive has it been that again you get six and two thirds out of Brandon Belak last night when you know if if at certain points throughout that stretch you had the tax to bullpen, it can lead to some losses just from fatigue. But they haven't really had that as an issue. And that has been the thing that has impressed me about this club. Um, you know, I know the Rangers are for real. I know people are saying, you know, but, but you know, Arlington's not letting up. And I'm like, look, what what this team's done, I believe this is their 12th game. Like you mentioned, I believe it's 17 days in a row where they have games. And they're upping their run differential right now. They're at, they're, they're at plus 65. You know, they have an away record of 18 and 10. They got their home record back to where it's 18 and 14. So they're, you know, because they, because they were, they had a negative home record where they had more, more losses than wins. But that's what this ball club does. That's the character they have. That is the mentality. They never panic where the fan base freaks out. People think, oh, it's, you know, they're not going to win it. They're not even going to win the division. Some people even said maybe they don't make the playoffs. Look, there's no panic in this team. They know who they are. And when you have guys like Corey Jolks and Yonder Diaz and Jake Myers, all those guys contributing, no matter who's in the lineup, whether Altuve is or isn't in the lineup, they go out with one mentality is to win that day. And that's what's kept them where they are. You know, they're 7-3 the last 10 games. And – I I think they're going to take three or four from the Blue Jays in this four-game series. We're talking with Brett Chancey of the Locked On Astros podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Astros are a Major League best 18-6 and six since May the 9th, and they lead Major League Baseball with a 2.94 ERA in that span. I guess it's safe to say that we can uh, go ahead and put those early season struggles and the sky is falling about the defending world series champs in the rearview mirror. Can we do go and do that, Brett? You know, you know, I think we can look, I, I understand that when the Astros aren't doing what they did in 2022, you know, people naturally, Oh, it's a world series hangover. And, and, and I understand recency bias and, and how people kind of judge their baseball team. And I think all fan bases do it. I don't think it's just the Astros fans. But look, they've dealt with more injuries this year than they've really dealt with the last two years. I mean, last year they didn't deal with it at all. And this is what I this is what I on our show told fans. Like twenty twenty three is gonna be different. Just the law of averages to me I just kinda of saw the right on the wall. We're going to have things happen. We're going to have bumps in the road. But if there's any team in the major leagues that can take the amount of injuries and still be competitive, 
I mean, it's this team. I mean, Jordan Alvarez leads the league in RBI. Um, Kyle Tucker's starting to hit. Alex Bregman is just an animal at the plate right now. And this team's doing what they need to do. You know, your relief pitching's holding up. Your starting pitching's holding up. So this team, I think, is just going to continue to trend upward. And that's why I've not really been worried at all. Um because I know how they know how to fight through the tough times. We'll get you out of here with this, Brett. Um, you have been uh, blessed enough to be able to go to several Houston Astros games already. <laughs> Your social media timeline is nothing but you taking selfies with important people, with fans, <laughs> mocking people who do the wave, and just enjoying Houston Astros baseball. How can Dawson and I get to the point where we're living our best life like you are? How, 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 do, how do we make that happen? Well, let's, you know, look, just move down to Houston <laughs> and we will, we will make it happen. I, 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 I got some connections. Um, I would love to, I, I would love to go to a game with y'all, but Hey, you know, something cool that happened. Um, Greg Kessinger got called up and we can't, we can't forget about this kid. Um, I interviewed him two weeks ago. And the second player in a row that, that I've had on the show, two weeks after I interview him, he gets called up. So I don't know if I'm the Astros player whisperer, but there's something in the water here. So um, if, if you guys get to Houston, we'll get you all to a game, and uh, we'll make sure that you guys can live your best life. You can, you can become uh, part of the H-Town Wheelhouse fan club. Oh, Dawson's going to be going. Dawson, when you go into Houston for yeah, you I'll got be, Astros I'll be, tickets. Uh, I'll be there for the Reds series. Couple of games in the Reds series next weekend. There we go. Okay. Well, hey, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Adilo and H Town Wheelhouse connection could be in the cards. Brett, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your week, my friend. Hey, thank you too. And um, just make sure y'all go check out that great Kessinger interview. Check out our latest episode. And last night, I talk about the 28-inch pythons of Corey Jolts running wild on you, brother. (laughs) Have a good one. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Game hotlines open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We'd love to hear from you. Great conversation, as always, with Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast as the Shros clobbered those Blue Jays. Four-game series this week, by the way. I love that. I love having that during the week, especially. It's well, just one of my things. It's part of the... MLB's quest to not give the Astros any off days for the next month and a half. So that just kind of fit in with the days. There it is. There it is. 
It's, it's, this is this is accurate. Uh, you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Oh man, me oh my crawfish pie. So much great baseball going on. I'm a little jealous. I haven't been to a Stroh's game yet this year. You're going to go before I'll get to go. But I did go to a Rangers game. Um, so I have been, you know, been to a Major League Baseball game so far this season. Now, are you stoked for the Stroh's game? Because you and the lady are going to go, right? Yeah. No, I mean. It's a nice little weekend. Yeah, I mean, the and the Reds will see um, if they're going to play competitive baseball or not. Now, <laughs> There, there was some other weekends it was going to line up. Maybe the Angels weekend, that would have been nice, but didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and uh, you know, the Reds, by the way, Great American Ballpark's on my list. Uh, I, I really like that park. Um, now, obviously, I'm not going to Cincinnati, but. On your list to go see a yeah, game. Yeah, okay. Um, right. And I actually went to Cincinnati when I was, like, real, pretty young on this, like, um, I was in, it was a, it was, I was in academic games, if you know what that is. That's pretty embarrassing for me to admit on the radio. But, so, um, time out. A- academic games yeah, is that was, like scholastic bowl um in a way it, it was essentially these like uh strategy games that i was kind of good at and i made the i made our national team what it was it was a whole thing um the state team like in the, in oh, the parish okay. area um okay. but we went to cincinnati and i got to see the outside of the ballpark and ever since then um i was like 10 at the time but ever since then i've been like man i really want to go to a game at, at great american ballpark there we go um that's not relevant to anything <laughs> we're talking about. Just wanted to throw that out there. I did want to mention, by the way. Uh, but I love what I love when you just impromptu yeah, no. share. And as soon as you do it, this is this is always the case with you. As soon as you start sharing, you're like, I shouldn't yeah, have done this. Shouldn't have I shouldn't. I shouldn't have let's done just, this. Yeah, let's put this that is, on the back burner. That's um, that's bad. That's a bad choice by me. It was. Oh, it was a lot of fun though. We stayed at the at this hotel that was like owned by Chad Ochocinco or something. I, I don't know. It was awesome. Anyway. Something that happened yesterday, by the way, I just wanted to talk about, re- while we were talking about regionals, I didn't mention, I had kind of said this storyline going on with Coastal heading into winner-take-all game was that they used Teddy Sharkey in the first game against Duke, their best back-end reliever by a long shot, and I thought, look, if that game's really competitive late, Coastal doesn't have their back-end guy, or if he does pitch, he's going to be fatigued, and I don't know how that's going to go. Well, it's okay. It didn't matter because they just got their absolute doors kicked in, and they lost 11 to nothing. So it never even had to be a – you know, they Coach Gilmore over there didn't even have to consider bringing in Teddy Sharkey because Coastal had, I think, what, two hits and lost the game 11 to nothing. So I thought that was just interesting. I really thought Coastal was going to battle, and, and – and, and I was really like looking forward to that storyline of, man, who do they have in the back end? Who are they going to go to when they need a couple of outs late in the game to try to get past Duke? And uh, Duke said, none of that's going to matter because this is going to be a thrashing and we're not going to let you even think about your bullpen. So um, that happened. Sunbelt ends up getting one team in with Southern Miss, who got it done against Penn in a very competitive game, but Coastal uh, did not show up. And the Blue Devils, I think that also goes to show you, I-, I did think overall that regional was an opportunity for somebody to step up because I didn't think it was the strongest, but... Duke was not playing well heading into the NCAA tournament, no. but it goes to show you sometimes you can you can turn around for a weekend, and they played really, really well. They had the one loss to Coastal, but it was still a competitive game, and they dominated UNCW and then Coastal in the title game. So they're paired up with Virginia yeah. in the Supers? Yeah, Duke will head to Charlottesville, Ooh. and that's a little ACC matchup there. That, Cavaliers you know, a look teams, strong. They man. really do, and uh, they're no strangers to, to Omaha, right? So no, they're, they're going to be ready to go. Um, but Duke is... All of a sudden, even though they didn't play well down the stretch, they're playing well now. So That's all that matters. We'll see. That is all that matters. Poll question of the day was about those NCAA regionals. They've come to a close. We have our Supers now set. 
And we want to know from you, what was the biggest surprise of the NCAA baseball regionals? Was it Oral Roberts advancing? Correct me if I'm wrong. They were the four seed? They were the four seed. They were the four seed. They win that regional to punch their ticket to the Supers. Vanderbilt losing at home? When when the regionals came out, you looked at the Nashville regional and you went, that should be Vandy. Like, I, I didn't give a moment's thought about Vanderbilt not advancing out of their own regional. And they looked bad. They looked bad, the Commodores did. Arkansas getting smashed at home in the Fayetteville Regional or Indiana State, the little old Sycamores, being able to survive and move on to the Supers. 50% of folks say Arkansas getting smashed. 28% of you say Vanderbilt losing at home. 15% of you say Oral Roberts advancing. And only 7% say Indiana State survives. I have a theory here. You mentioned this earlier, Dawson, about... Oral Roberts, and I'm going to get to that. I want to get to some comments first. Biggest surprise for me, this is from Salty Steve, was LSU wasn't on any of ESPN's main stations. Yeah, that was was not optimal. Are you kidding me? Who wanted to pay for ESPN Plus getting sick of all the add-on channels? Salty Steve with the salt about having to watch LSU on ESPN Plus. Well, yesterday's game got moved to ESPN 2 after softball. It was like a weird kind of, they, yeah. they kept moving channels around. Houdat Forever says, who would be shocked by Arkansas choking? It's pretty much an annual tradition. Everyone's voting for Arkansas because that's part, you know, a little bit of a rivalry there between them and LSU. The reason why Oral Roberts is only at 15%, I have a theory. Because you made it a point on this station, on these airwaves in southwest Louisiana last week, on RP3 and Company, and when you guest host on Footnotes, last week for Kevin Foote, about watch out for Oral Roberts. Watch out for Oral Roberts. You beat the table so much so, D'Lo, that the folks went into the weekend expecting Oral Roberts to win that regional. Thus, the results of the poll question being what they are, that they weren't that surprised that Oral Roberts advanced. Yeah, I'm just doing what I can. Uh, I'm just trying to get. I said I wanted to have people prepared, and I, I think in some ways I really did. I think I, I told you to watch Stillwater, and it was entertaining, if nothing less. Uh, there you go, bud. Eight nothing deficits being erased, See, runs being scored. You made people go. You know what? Oral Roberts should have went because D'Lo told us and laid it out in a thorough manner on how it was going to get done. And they get Oregon, who that's another team, kind of like TCU. wasn't wasn't a regional host, but Looked dominant. Looked, I mean, just gave Vanderbilt everything they could handle. And then Vandy, of course, ends up falling before even getting back to the game against Oregon. But, um, yeah, that that's a team that's playing really, really well. And they're going to get their chance now. Um, they're going to host Oral Roberts, which is, again, yeah, everybody had their super regional at uh, in, in, in Eugene circled to, uh, to, to go in their calendars. <laughs> Now they got a scr- I always think that's funny too. The athletic, because you know, I've I've worked in a couple of these athletic department marketing things as you know an intern and stuff in college. Like, there you go. Flex it up. Buddy. There's a lot of as an intern. Well, let's be clear here. But my point is, there's a lot of scrambling going on in like Eugene, Oregon, right now, and uh, T- TCU Fort and Fort Worth, Worth. Yes, yes. A lot of scrambling. People trying to make sure they know where the tarps are for the field and everything like that. Because you know they packed up. All right, baseball season's over. We'll see y'all in the fall. Not so fast. You're hosting who, a super regional. Who has the key to the concession stands? Yeah. yeah. Yes. 
Yes, there's there's plenty of scrambling going on. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep leaving those comments. Got some good ones so far on today's show. We got to take a time out. We'll take your phone calls. Open segment, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, let's head out to the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Bring on Kyle to the show. Kyle, good morning, brother. What's on your mind? Uh, just uh, calling to respond about your poll question of the day. Um, I guess it's uh, twofold. With with Vanderbilt, uh, the only the only way I can possibly justify is, you know, probably some of Kevin Foote's philosophy. They had to pay the piper for winning the SEC championships. <laughs> They're going to drop the regional. <laughs> That's it. It's it, yeah, but something's been off about Vandy the last couple of years. They've been good, but not to their standard, right? It's it seems, and they've had players leave in the transfer portal. They've had a couple of guys leave after the last couple of years. It's been a it's been a weird stretch for the Commodores for a program that's been so good nationally. Uh, they've just been a little off a little bit the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, but then uh, with Arkansas, you know, as a as an avid LSU fan, you always love to see the Hogs. You know, anytime you can stop a crowd full of people doing that woo pig suey, you know, God bless you. But uh, I think what was so surprising about it is that man, it was it was never a game. I mean, they just got stomped. It wasn't like man, they lost two close ones to TCU. TCU stole it from them. TCU just stomped them. It was it was it was just unbelievable to watch how many balls were just. Uh, on the outside of the stadium just absolutely destroyed them is is all they did it's 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 phenomenal now of the sec teams that are left here uh, obviously uh, alabama versus wake forest tennessee versus southern miss and then we have the two all sec super regionals lsu kentucky and florida south carolina who do you like we lost kyle kyle how'd it go i'll ask you the question who do you like? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, well, <laughs> I like, obviously, I think LSU's uh, got a good chance. Now, uh, Florida, I, I think LSU and Florida, and those are your two that are going to be your clear-cut favorites, uh, just given the seedings and how things worked out. Now, the interesting thing is is Florida's got to play a South Carolina team that, you know, has had its moments of, of dominance, right? I mean, they had, they had a stretch there where they were, you know. South Carolina looked all the part of a team going to Omaha, yes. There yeah, have been moments. And, then it certainly tailed off a little bit, but they're playing well again. So, you know, Florida didn't look great early in that regional, but then they played very well down the stretch and, and looked really, really good yesterday against Texas Tech. So, you know, I think they're both going to have a good shot. But, um, you know, Tennessee, that's going to be a really good series with Southern Miss. And, and look, Tanner Hall now, they threw him yesterday, so how fresh does he look on a, on a Friday night or a Saturday, depending on when yeah. that super gets going? That's a factor there. But I do think the Golden Eagles are playing well right now. 
Um, so that'll be good with Tennessee. I think Alabama's obviously got the most daunting task because Wake Forest is uh, is 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 a wagon right now. Um, you know, and you got to try and steal one against one of the premier pitchers in the country, and then you still have to win a second game. It's kind of back to that, you know, that year when it was Vanderbilt, right? That's what it reminds me of a little bit. But the the only difference is that this team's actually probably better offensively than those Vanderbilt teams were. So I would I, agree it's, that it's uphill for Alabama, but. Alabama's playing as well as anybody is as well. I mean, they, down the stretch now, if you if you take out a couple of little blips on the radar, like since the coaching fiasco and he was fired, like they've been they've one been, of the most consistent teams. They have teams. rallied around the coach, and they've come together as a team. And look, the fact that they got to host a regional, I didn't think they really deserved to host a regional, but they did, and they won it. And to get to a Supers after everything is a great accomplishment. If you're asking me this morning, who do I think the teams are out of the SEC that will make it to Omaha? LSU, Tennessee, and I would then say probably South Carolina. Over Florida. Over I, Look, I know Florida is what, the number two national seed? Yep. The Gators are going to be favored. But South Carolina played nearly impeccable baseball in, in the regional. And I just... I don't know. I, I I don't know. Look, you just asking me. I I think oh, that's yeah, no. You have to have your opinions. That's why they're yours. I, I said I said you know as of right now. Now I may change my mind as the as the week progresses. I feel the most confident saying LSU, and I feel the most confident saying Tennessee. Then after that, I don't you know I lean towards South Carolina over Florida. I know that would be a huge upset. The Gators should win that series, but you never do know. Yeah, I, I do wonder if I South Carolina looked really good. I wonder if they ran into a Campbell team in the championship game though that had been out of pitching because we knew Campbell uh, didn't have a ton of depth there. We saw it here when they played the Cajuns that Sunday game. Remember the Cajuns scored I think eight runs in the first inning. That was way back towards the beginning of the year. But um, so I, I don't know if I take as much from it. But they did look really good and they beat NC State in a competitive game in the in, in the winners bracket game there. So that was a nice win for them. But. Um, yeah, I think it's in play, and, and, and it all comes down to, as well, in these situations, we know that, is who's going to get a, uh, who has a Friday night guy to begin with, and then outside of that, who's going to be able to weather the storm of, of a couple of, you know, adverse situations throughout the regional with their pitching staff, or the super, rather. Um, it's interesting, too, in a super, you know, sometimes you might think pitching matters a little less because you have less games, but... I don't know. Sometimes that puts more of the emphasis on your front end guys. Like who has those legit Friday night guys? That's why LSU's in such a good spot, right? Because you you have no doubts what you're going to get from Paul Skeens. That's why Wake Forest is in such a good spot as well because you have no doubt what you're going to get from Rhett Louder in Game One. Um, I think teams that have even you know somewhat of question marks in those Game One situations start to be a little bit more of a disadvantage. And um, you know I think it's it's interesting now for Florida. Uh, they have the the two way star Caglioni, who's going to throw at some point in this series and is going to swing the bat <laughs> at a high level. We expect as well. So I expect and look and, and people may be surprised by my, my my by my pick, right? But in South Carolina, had ebbs and flows to their season. They swept Penn in non conference play, a team that made it to a regional final. They took two or three from Clemson, who was a regional host. They swept Florida during the regular season. That was late April, and they run-ruled them in one game. Kevin Foote says that's bad news for the Gamecocks. That's bad news for the Gamecocks. But then they also turned around and dropped the next weekend, dropped two of three to Auburn, right? And then they got swept by Kentucky. So which 
South Carolina team is going to show up, right? That that's that's the big question. And you, you don't know. They they split with LSU during the regular season, but then got housed by LSU at the SEC tournament. By so the way, which South Carolina team is going to show up? I'll have a li- this is a quick uh you know, I know we don't like discussing the Piper too much. We have to put ourselves on a limit of how many oh, times a week. But it, oh, go ahead. I have a Piper. It's question. a prime, you know, example of now and he'll say his excuse for it today will be, Well, that's major league baseball is where the Piper but then he uses it when it's convenient, right? Um <laughs> He said, A, that McNeese going to Washington was a horrible situation for McNeese because they beat him in the regular season and they had no chance, and McNeese beat him once and should have beat him the second time. And he would have said it was a horrible situation for Oral Roberts because they beat Oklahoma State twice and then had to go play a team who's better than you. So that's like worst-case scenario for the Piper. That means Oklahoma State's going to smash him. Oral Roberts dominated that regional and won the whole thing. But we're not going to hear about that side. It just, it, was, it just wasn't convenient, so it didn't happen. But tomorrow, when the Astros don't score any runs because they scored 12 last night or 11, then it's going to be all about the Piper's back, and here he is. He's showing himself. It's all about else. It's all about the Piper. It's all about the Piper. So, yeah, look, I, I like South Carolina's chances. I do. I could, I, I'm, I'm often wrong, usually daily. So, But I, I like him. If, if the team that showed up and good stretches during the regular season and showed up in the regional shows up, Florida's going to have their hands full. They just are. I want to get back to a point I made about Vanderbilt. It's weird to say that, but it feels that way about the Commodores, D'Lo. This is a team that won the national championship in 2019. This is a team that finished as runner-up in 2021, remember? But the last couple of years, Vandy seems off to me. And they were a below 500 team in SEC play last year. They did make it to a regional. This year, they won the SEC tournament, went on a bit of a run, but they had an up-and-down season. They've had guys leave the program. Like, you won the national title in 2019. You finished as national runners-up in 2021, and they got guys who were starting for them leaving the program to go elsewhere. The program's taken a little bit of a dip here. Just something to keep an eye on for a program that's been a national perennial team for a long time it, there seems to be a little bit of a, of a dip right now you got players leaving I mean still I know there's still a good program yeah I get the idea but also you still a number six national seed in the country coming in you lose two one run games one to Oregon one to Xavier I you know I think sometimes too we get a little result oriented in postseason baseball um, last year's a kind of a transition year this year they're right back there and they lose a couple of close games um, I'd have to see more of it. Now, Vanderbilt has, look, they have some interesting recruiting advantages that have been discussed for a long time. I think NIL mm-hmm. has come into play and maybe shifted a little bit of that. I That's that's and that's the other part so, of that you know, is and, that. And by the way, the, the Vanderbilt, we don't have time to get it. It's complicated why they have a bit of recruiting advantages, but it's been discussed in the past. Um, and kind of the way some of that works with some of the exceptions that they're allowed and stuff like that in the SEC. But again, NIL's kind of changed the landscape of those things. So yeah, I think you certainly something to look at in the next couple of years is is Vandy uh, not as far ahead as they once were? I mean, just look at the, I mean, look, and here's the thing, back to the Piper. What a run, right? Super Regionals in 2013, National Champs the next year, National Runner-Ups the year after that. Then they uh, only get to a Regional the, the year after, but then it's Supers, Supers again, National Championship, COVID year, National Runner-Up. So that is a tremendous stretch, 
for Vandy, and it's is the Whistler the most annoying fan in SEC baseball? I'm going to say probably yes, maybe. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a dip. It's just something to keep an eye on, especially for a program that is so well coached. But you're right. We don't have time to go into all the nuances of that, but NIL could be playing a role here for Vandy and just to kind of keep an eye on the Commodores. So we got to take a timeout. When we return here, National Championship Series is set for softball. We'll dive into that. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The NCAA softball tournament has been going on, and the Women's College World Series has been taking place in Oklahoma City over the past couple of weeks, and our championship series is now set. It's going to be everybody's surprise underdog of the season, the Oklahoma Sooners, <laughs> taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Um, so This is a rematch from 2021? It is, and that was a series. Look, that was like the – I mean, that Oklahoma team was kind of billed as maybe the greatest – collection of talent in the history of softball um in 2021 they went into that tournament as the clear-cut dominant favorites and florida state stole game one um so that was it was a really fascinating series too that was a florida state team that was a little bit young um you know i wouldn't call them inexperienced but they were a little young and surprised to be there they weren't dominant that year they made a late run and kind of unexpectedly rolled through regional supers and then to the women's college world series and won a bunch of games within it but it was kind of a surprise team in, in that how far they went. And then they stole game one, and they played competitively in game two. They had a freshman named Kat Sandercock who was kind of emerging on the scene at the time. Um, and essentially, Oklahoma was too much for them in the, in the next two games of that series and ultimately was probably too much for anybody that year. Um, this year's a little bit of a different story. Now, the Oklahoma team is as dominant as they've ever been. They've won 50-something games in a row, and they're heading into this series as the heavy favorites. But... They're now playing a Florida State team that was the number three overall national seed. And the Florida State team that last year came into the regional tournament as likely favorites to get back to the College World Series and were actually upset in their own regional by Mississippi State. So they came back with a bit of a vengeance. They returned Catherine Sandercock, who is now uh, an experienced leader on this team and has been unbelievable in the postseason. They got a couple of unexpected home rooms last night from Haley Waycaser and Bethany Keene that helped put them over the edge in the nightcap against Tennessee. Um, but Oklahoma grinded out an extra inning victory over Stanford. They were tested more so than we maybe thought they would be uh, a couple of times in this tournament. But every time they seem to be in doubt, they find a way to get it done. And th that Oklahoma team is just, I mean, they're a well-oiled machine. They're, uh, they're definitely reminiscent of the UConn dynasty dominant days of women's college basketball in the mid-2000s with Gino Auriemma. Um, they're at that level, and it's them and everybody else. So 
Uh, while I think my Knowles have a good chance to be competitive in that series, it's just next to impossible to take two games out of three against them, right? Even if you steal one, you have to do so many different things well to beat them that one time. It then becomes an even bigger uphill battle to beat them twice. So uh, we'll see. It should be interesting. That series gets going on Wednesday. They'll have tonight off. Uh, everybody will be able to reset kind of. And um, they'll get after it in a best of three starting on Wednesday night. So what was done in 2019 that maybe Florida State can look to on how to beat the Sooners when they finished as runner-up that year and didn't win the national title? Well, I, I think, look, I think that was also uh, for a little bit further back in the progression of the Sooner program, right? And I think since then they've become even more dominant. So, you know, look, that is the last time um, that we saw this Oklahoma team not be um, completely – and I don't know, too. The, they the lost to UCLA that, that year, right, which is another perennial powerhouse. The idea that they're not, they're certainly uh, beatable. They've lost a game. Um, you know, the, 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 there's opportunities to beat them if you do what uh, Baylor did, which is beat them, which that's the only team that did it in 56 tries or however many it's been. Um, but yeah, no, it takes a lot. And I think, look, Tiari Jennings, some of the hitters in Oklahoma's lineup, like they're at the point, too, where they kind of take their best pick, right? They take the best players every year, and then everybody else gets to deal with the rest. And, um, but it's going to be fascinating. I think it's been a nice tournament so far. And, they've again, they've been tested more than we thought. Hour number two was tested, but we passed. Great hour. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Wilson Alexander of The Advocate talking LSU. That's next right here on The Game. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Eight oh three has arrived, which means the final hour of RP three and company has arrived. Coming up in a half hour from right now, Dan McDonald, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, and the ESPN Plus play by play man for Raging Cajun Athletics will join us to put a bow on Matt Deggs' team's season, back to back years of making NCAA regional. Also, don't forget keep voting on the poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise of the NCAA regional weekend? Go vote on that. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, we're going to talk more NCAA regional baseball as LSU got the job done yesterday beating Oregon State. But right as they were celebrating that, the team had to be informed of one of their assistant coaches leaving to take a job. We'll talk about that, how that can impact the team moving forward, and so much more with our next guest, who covers the LSU Athletics for the Baton Rouge Advocate. Wilson Alexander joins us. Wilson, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm still maybe a little bit sleepy, but I'm doing okay. How are you, Raymond? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing well, brother. I'm doing well. So uh, it was a, a bit of a weird weekend for the Baton Rouge Regional because of all the crazy weather, the lightning on Saturday and then the torrential downpour and lightning on Sunday. But they get it done, wrap it up, win the regional. Give me your big takeaways from what you saw from Jay Johnson's squad over the weekend. 
guess a couple of things, and starting with this, is just that there was so much said and discussed and debated about Jay Johnson's pitching plan, have using Paul Skeens on Friday um, instead of pitching him off for the you know pivotal second day of a regional, and it ended up all working out. Um, you know, Paul Skeens threw that complete game against Tulane, uh, and especially with the weather being the way it was on Saturday, it would end up being kind of fortunate that that was the case because, um, you know, Jay Johnson said he later at the end of the regional he had some, quote, underground uh, weather sources that played into that decision in the first place. And, you know, they didn't end up burning him at some point on Saturday and really putting themselves in a bind. And then, you know, Thatcher Hurd, um, you know, came in relief of Ty Floyd after that long weather delay and pitched well and, um, and then on Sunday, you know, the bullpen, excuse me, on Monday, and the decider, the bullpen, sort of the bullpen game there was uh, was enough. You know, they, they allowed seven runs, but three of those came in the ninth when LSU was already up big. And so uh, the pitching, you know, really came through when LSU needed it to. The plan worked out. Um, you can, I think it'll still probably be debated for a long time whether that was the right way to go, but LSU's playing in the Super Regional now. You, you talked about the pitching, and it was uh, – good and in spots good enough over the weekend and as the game was progressing the news breaks that pitching coach Wes Johnson was leaving the program to become the new head coach at the University of Georgia Uh, we do know afterwards that Jay confirmed that Wes will stay on as long as LSU keeps playing but the players were a bit surprised I know things got emotional for some of the players afterwards how big of a deal is this for LSU to have to deal with maybe losing one of their top assistant coaches while they try to prepare to make a run to Omaha? Jay Johnson said after the game that this had been uh, done for, in his words, like five days. Um, and it was something that was known between him and Wes Johnson, but it was something that had not been yet communicated to the players. They did not know that this was going on until right after the game, Literally, I mean, within a minute, uh, you know, two, three minutes after the game ending, uh, ESPN's Pete Thamel reported that, you know, this deal was getting finalized. And you could, it was interesting then going down to the field as word started to spread around. I had conversations with some people uh, at LSU who was like, hey, did you, you know? And they were like, wait, what? And then, um, you know, you went out and you're looking at the, you know, the LSU's post game huddle. Um, there was some staff members who started seeing this pop up on their phones and, um, you know, the word started to spread around. And so the team dispersed and then Jay Johnson had to get everybody back up into a huddle again because they didn't want people to get to the uh, locker room, start checking their phones and realize this was going on without having heard it first from their coaches. Um, he said that they were originally planning to do a team meeting uh, this morning uh, and, and tell them then um, and, you know, sort of do it that way. Um, I think he was probably wanting to get through the regional before telling them, you know, not have it on their minds as they tried to play. Um, but obviously that was kind of suddenly taken out of their control. And so then they had that quick team meeting. And, yeah, some of the players were – a lot of the players were going up and hugging Wes Johnson afterwards. Thatcher Hurd was particularly emotional. Um, this is was sort of a shock all of a sudden to hear that he was going to Georgia. It's obviously a great opportunity for him to go be a head coach. Um, but for this, that to come out suddenly now is – Kind of confusing, and of course, you see this happen in other sports. Um, but I think it was maybe one of the first times you've seen it happen around LSU baseball. And so, you know, he's going to be around though for the rest of the postseason as long as they go. He will be there. 
um, and then he'll go over to Georgia. And so it probably won't affect their preparation too much the rest of the way. Um, you know, this is, I think the players probably understand, you know, the, the, this situation, talking to a few of them, they, cer- they certainly did yesterday. Um, but it was just kind of a wild scene uh, that unfolded yesterday right after the game. Well, Wilson, do you have any idea why it happened now, it, given that it, it had been five days and it hadn't been leaked, and obviously Jay had his plan for when he wanted the information to come out. Do you have any idea why this happened so suddenly? No, no I don't really. Um, like you said, um, I think it sounds like Wes and Jay you know, sort of had uh, an understanding how they wanted to handle this. Um, and we could see that Wes was upset this, when this came out, a staff member, uh, on the team during that post-game huddle, uh, pulled out their phone and showed him what was going on. You could see in his body reactions that this that he was upset. You know, that they, they just come out. He gathered up his family real quick and and I believe told them what was going on. Um, in that like, oh hey, this is suddenly coming out now, and um, you know they, they had to handle this in a different way. You could tell that he was not pleased with that, and so it, it got leaked somewhere. Um, and uh, and that's just kind of how you know it came out when it did. Well, as you look forward to kind of the matchup here with Kentucky, um, and that's a team that LSU has seen before and won two out of three against them at the box earlier in the year. Um, what are your kind of first impressions about how this LSU team will attack the matchup with Kentucky for a second time? Well, it's certainly going to be helpful, you know, that they've played each other. I mean, both and of course that goes both ways. Um, that there's some familiarity, but it's kind of also the same thing that Jay Johnson said when they went to go, you know, this weekend before playing Tulane and Sam Houston teams that they had played before this season was that um, because of when they played Kentucky early, much earlier in the year, these are a little bit different teams. Um, uh, you know, Kentucky, that was kind of a weird series where um, LSU blew them out in the first game, lost a, a really high scoring game in the second one. And then, won a really uh, close game in game three. Um, this is a tough Kentucky team. They're older, they're experienced. They don't have maybe the major league kind of talent that LSU has, um, but they're, they're scrappy. You know, they, they won their regional with, a, even though they lost one of the games, they won the deciding game with Indiana yesterday to advance. Um, and they're going to be a, a tough challenge, especially in a super. Anything can happen. You just got to win two out of three. And this Kentucky team, um, you know, has got a pretty potent offense. Um, and, and they're going to make you earn it. Um, you know, they don't, I don't think there's like a lot of things that maybe they maybe do like over the top well. Like you know, well, it's you that's hitting home runs and the power that it generates. And uh, Kentucky doesn't have a, that characteristic necessarily, but um, it finds ways to win games. And, and they're sort of having the best baseball season they've had in a really long time. And sort of riding that momentum can mean something in the postseason. We're talking with Wilson Alexander of the Advocate. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. You know, we talked about this earlier on the show, Wilson, and, you know, so much has been written about, obviously, Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and even Trey Morgan. But two guys that have kind of really have stepped up in the batter's box for this team and have gotten more playing time and have really delivered, especially in the last month or so, Hayden Trinvinsky and Cade Beloso. How critical have those two guys been for this team in particular, what they can do at the plate? Oh, massively so. Hayden Trevinsky, with him coming on the way he has over the last few weeks, really ever since um, 
he got sort of his first playing time against Ole Miss, and 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 then recently in particular, man, he's just been on fire. I think it's ten home runs now in the last twenty games, if I'm not mistaken. And when you and then you know they are sitting right there in the middle of the order together, sort of at four and five this weekend, and you know they both go back to back home runs on back to back days, which was just crazy. Hayden reaction, um, react Hayden Trevinsky's reaction was just priceless. If, if somebody hasn't seen it yet, uh, go look for a video of it because. Um, it was it was hilarious when Cabaloso homered right after for the second time on Monday and um, in the, over the weekend and so it's been huge because it gives LSU just you know depth further depth throughout the lineup you know and more power I mean um, those are both typical uh, power hitters uh, Hayden I think in particular um, has got uh, a lot of juice in his bat I mean Kate they both have double digit home runs now on the season and it just further you know sort of illustrates that you go through this lineup and as an opposing pitcher, and you, you just can't rest anywhere. Um, you know, Hayden is not the defensive catcher that Alex Malazzo is, but his bat's been invaluable down the stretch, and, and Cade's been doing it for a long stretch this season. Uh, played in a lot of games. He's batting over 300, um, and, and with, with double-digit home runs, and that's exactly what you want out of your designated hitter. How much is the experience going to play a role in the Super Regional this coming weekend? Because obviously Kentucky is only making it to the Super Regionals for the second time in program history. So this is a huge deal for them. They haven't been on this stage before. LSU, obviously, far more familiarity on that stage. How much is that going to play a role this coming weekend? Well, it's interesting that you say that because LSU is also this this team – is playing a home super regional for the first time. You know they don't mm, know what this is like really. Um, they certainly have a lot more experience generally in the in the postseason, and um, but this is a team that an LSU team that you know hasn't been in this position before. Um, only Gavin Dugas and Kay Beloso are, have played a home super regional. And that was back in 2019 as as true freshmen. Um, they're the only ones with that with that experience. But none of these guys have been to Omaha yet. LSU's program hasn't been there since 2017, which is the you know for this group program a really long time, and so this is kind of something they're all going through together. You know, Dylan Cruz asked about that after the game, and he was just having to talk about how excited he was to finally do something that he's done since his freshman year, or has wanted to do since his freshman year and hasn't been able to, and now finally gets to host you know a super regional at Alex Box, and so yeah, the LSU's got some experience, but. Um, and maybe a little bit more than Kentucky, but it's a, a situation that um, it's not necessarily familiar with either, but it certainly helps to be any time that they you know, are playing at home. i get you out of here with this, Wilson. It's a football question because you were one of the first to report on this yesterday that Trey Bradford is back at LSU. He's on the roster for a third time. Obviously, he originally signed with LSU, then transferred to Oklahoma for two months. In 2021, came back. Brian Kelly described him as someone who was separated from the university, and now he's back on the online roster. What do you make of him being back in the fold at LSU, and what does this mean for the running back depth? It's peculiar that he's back on the team at this point. He was, as you said, um, you know, sort of left the program, or was, was you know, what, what, for whatever reason, was no longer with the program uh, last. You know, right at the beginning of his preseason camp last year, um, and it's unclear where he was throughout the 2022 season. Um, I don't know if he was playing somewhere else. When you 
search his name and, and look for it. There's nothing that, that comes up. Um, and so, like in a, in a Google search. And so, um, but now he's, you know, the LCO is all the way through spring practice and, and now he's, he's back here. And um, so there's still some, some um, vagueness uh, around why he is back on the team. Um, and that's something that's something we need to kind of continue to dig into. Hopefully we are able to get some answers. Um, but what it does for LSU's running back room is that LSU now has eight guys who are scholarship running backs. Um, there was some, you know, uncertainty with a couple of them. Uh, John Emery, we still don't know exactly what his status is going to be in the fall. He is still on the roster that was recently updated. Um, but there was academic issues that, of course, kept him out in the spring. Uh, Armani Goodwin's coming off a significant knee injury. And, uh, he, and Brian Kelly told me last month that there were, there his availability for the beginning of preseason camp gave them some pause. And so they've got a few guys who are uncertainty, but they already kind of addressed that with Logan Diggs, the Notre Dame transfer, who is you know enrolling this summer. He's now officially on the roster, and uh, he's going to be a big piece of this offense. So um, it's I'm not sure how much he's Trey Bradford is really going to play or contribute. You know, maybe if he you know turns it on in the preseason, then he becomes a player on this uh, you know has a role on this team. Um, but either way, you know he, he is back for the third time, which is you know quite unusual. Um, even in the transfer portal era, to go this career arc is, is quite strange. Wilson, appreciate your time and your insight. As always, keep up the tremendous work that you're doing for the Advocate, brother. And we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks for having me, Raymond. I'll have a great rest of your day. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. Oh, yeah. We got a good one for you. What was the biggest surprise of the weekend for NCAA baseball regionals? 45% of you say Arkansas getting smashed at their own regional in Fayetteville. TCU went in there and treated them like it was batting practice. Destroyed them. 28% of you say Vanderbilt losing. 17% say Oral Roberts advancing once again. D-Lo, Dawson Islo, the producer extraordinaire, the rising star of the game, laid it out for you that he liked Oral Roberts' chances last week. Thus, why so many of you say it's not surprising? And 10% of you say Indiana State surviving. Let's get to some comments. Tom says, biggest surprise, Indiana State survives, I guess. Oral Roberts is usually pretty good. Vandy has a tendency to fold in big games. Arkansas can't seem to figure out how to win against good non-SEC teams, and LSU tends to win regional tourneys. But, like, Vandy's... I would push back on that, yeah. The, I, Vandy's won a couple of national titles in, like, yeah. the last 10 years. No, and it's funny, too. This And, and this isn't, you know, I, I know that comment was in, you know, light lightheartedly, but, like, I wonder about it with, with the NBA specifically. Do, like, do, do front offices know, or, or you know, uh, management, ownership... Do, do they know that only one team wins the championship every year? <laughs> Are they aware of that? Because, like, the way that coaches get fired, and I'm, and I'm joking, but I'm also serious. Like, the way that coaches are getting fired, 
And by the way, in case you've been looking at who's been hired recently to, to fill these vacancies, we're just recycling all the fired coaches and they're just shuffling around to different spots. It's not like they're hiring these up-and-comers who haven't had no. their chances yet. No. Phoenix is going, instead of promoting an assistant, they went with someone else. Monty Williams, we never had a chance to talk about this. Monty's contract to be the head coach of the Detroit Pistons is more than anyone's contract on the roster. <laughs> I love Monty Williams. He shouldn't have been fired in Phoenix. He got a raw deal in New Orleans. He got a raw deal in Phoenix. I'm a big Monty Williams fan. But that man is getting paid like 13 mil per year to coach and, the and Detroit yeah, Pistons. And to your to your point, Nick Nurse in for Doc Rivers, right? Former head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Nick Nurse, of course, won the just, World Championship. Who just got yeah. fired from Toronto. Correct. Doc Rivers, who was fired, I'm sure he'll land somewhere, right? He was a finalist for the Phoenix job. Adrian Griffin is actually, there you go, there's an assistant from Milwaukee that they're actually going to you know hire an assistant. That's a, about the only one. But, of course, Ime Udoka, now that one has a little bit more behind the scenes because he was only really fired because of an off the court incident. He wouldn't he, you know, he would have still been the Celtics coach, but he's in with the Rockets. And yeah, the Pistons go with Monty Williams after getting rid of Dwayne Casey. I'm sure Dwayne <laughs> Casey will step in and have another head coaching role. Like I don't under it just recycles, dude. It but recycles. and again, like we talked about the the fact that, you know, and the Bucks had their reasons for getting rid of Budenholzer, but I, I don't you know, I don't know if it was fully warranted. And Monty Williams certainly I didn't think was deserving of being fired, but just you're going to continue to see it, and um, so that was all you know. A side note of Vanderbilt, but like, yeah, Vanderbilt's been great. It, it's it's very hard to win the title every year. It's not football, and even football, it's obviously tough because five guess what? trips to the College World Series since 2011, they won it in 14 and 19, and they finished as runner up in 15 and 21. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, they've been uh, there's a little pushback there. It's a lighthearted comment, but yeah, no, it's fair pushback. And you know, I got some pushback yesterday, bud. Yesterday was the first day of camp. Camp Steamology for the little one, Hattie. Uh-oh. She was excited. So they give you a 30-minute window, D-Lo, in case you were wondering, because obviously you don't have any children, to pick up the little ones. So from 3.30 to 4, you got to go pick them up. You sign them out. They call them. You know, they get their stuff, their lunch bag, and, and everything else, right? I roll up there because of the severe weather that did not hit Baton Rouge yesterday and said it hit us. I decided to be proactive, make sure I'm there on time to pick up baby girl. I got the business, my friend. Like, I got the business. I got the hand on the hip. Dad, why are you here? I'm here to pick you up. Uh, Can you come back in 30 minutes? (laughs) I got... I got, that kid had no desire whatsoever to have me pick her up. And I got an earful about how dare I be there early to pick her up. And then she calmed down and then negotiated with me. Dad, tomorrow when you come to pick me up, can you come pick me up like right before 4 o'clock? And you should have just said, yeah, no, I'll go. The, the two feet of standing water on the side of the street, I'll just try and motor my way through it. <laughs> Kind of make the block a couple times and then come back if that works for you. If, if she, your schedule lines up better with that. Yeah, she had the ladies there working at the camp just dying laughing. They're like, oh, Hattie. And she was like, Dad. I was like, come on. Don't make me fuss. <laughs> I have to do the. But she, you know, I get it. First day of camp. Had no desire whatsoever to be picked up. Like, if it was up to her, if there was a way for her to spend the night at the museum. 
that would be the game. Like that's what you would. Sometimes want. that creates its own set of issues, as we've seen in a couple of uh, well-made movies. Uh, well, that I'm yeah, a big I, fan I, of, I, I did. I I do enjoy the night at the museum yeah. movies. We watched them as a family. As oh well. no, that was one of my favorite. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of good humor there. Owen Wilson is a little mini guy. He's great. Oh, it's great. Um, yes. So just uh, rule of thumb. Go ahead and make a note. When one day you become a parent and your child is at camp, do not pick her or him up in the uh, earliest time available. Wait till the last minute because they have no desire to go home with you. Well, you know, it's also it depends, though, on the camp, right? And your first day. Now, you're saying this is a return trip, right? This is a... Yeah, this will be the uh, third year, I believe, she's yeah. been at the camp. So, I mean, so. This, was, this was a multi-year contract situation. You're just going back. <laughs> but... Multi-contract. If it's, you know, year one, you're just drafted fresh into the major leagues or, you know, camp, then you, you might get the upset, you know, well, oh, this was not what I wanted it to be. I, I need to get out of here as soon as possible. So I feel like that's always a gamble on the first day. Well, gamble. That's a good way. Good way to describe that. So I, I, I thought I was doing something good. And in turn, I got the business from the eight-year-old who was wildly disappointed in yours truly picking her up at 3.30 instead of 4 o'clock. You know, I always make editor's notes on your mistakes, so I'll correct myself. I said Kat Sandercock was a freshman back in that 2021 season. She was a sophomore that year. Nope. So I just want to I just want to have that on the record, corrected it. Um, she did pitch in the previous seat, which before the COVID year, and then it was the COVID year, so it was her third season, but her sophomore year. Uh, you can sure. just we can just use the excuse of the COVID year throwing a monkey wrench into well, that everything. That always confuses eligibility just, reasons. Yes. And, and uh, we're finally, I think it's next year, I heard them mentioning this on some one of the college baseball broadcasts. Next year, the fifth year of every that everybody got, it'll that will be it for everybody. Everybody who got it will then be gone. That'll be done. So it will be back to four years plus you know red shirts plus medical red shirts plus NCAA exceptions plus any other reason that they'll give you in a year. But then sometimes they'll deny people who actually deserve the extra year. But you know the NCAA just doesn't make consistent decisions. We'll be back to that, right? Which there we was, go. Which was better? Hey, a shout out to McNeese before we have to hit the timeout a former Mimi star, in fact. Uh, we've talked about one of them being called up to the show and pitching well for the Texas Rangers. Well, there's another one who's getting promoted. Will Dion, who was one of the best pitchers I've seen in person, just pitched just a few years ago for the Meekneese Cowboys. 23-year-old is in the Cleveland Guardians organization. He has been promoted to AA Akron and will start on Thursday. Dion had a 1.87 ERA at High A Lake County this season. So Akron, now that's the Rubber Ducks, isn't it? I believe that is the Rubber yeah. Ducks. Love minor league baseball and love the ridiculous names as well. I try to go to as many minor league baseball parks as possible uh, as I can. Can I convince my family to allow me to go to a Biloxi Shuckers game this year? Ben, it's a lot of fun out there. They do a good job. I've been to the Blue Wahoos. I was at the opening. I think I mentioned that before, though. I was at the the night they opened the stadium at Biloxi. It was a fun night. Oh, flex up for you, bud. Yes. So, congratulations to former McNeese Cowboy for getting the call up to Double A, and uh, he's quickly ascending the ranks. Let's see if he can master his pitches in the Double A level and maybe get called up to Triple A. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Raging Cajuns baseball season came to an end at the Coral Gables Regional, but. A great season. Where does Matt Deggs' team go from here? Dan McDonald, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, will share his thoughts on that and much more. That's next right here on The Game.
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns baseball season came to an end in South Beach at the Coral Gables Regional, but it was still another successful season under Matt Deggs. Back-to-back regional appearances last year won the conference tournament to get in. This year, they were an at-large. Sure does feel like Matt Deggs is laying the foundation for great success for years to come. To talk about where the Raging Cajun baseball program is entering this offseason and how Deggs can build upon that, as well as some NCAA regional talk, is the Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer and the man who's the ESPN Plus play-by-play announcer for Raging Cajun Athletics. Dan McDonald joins us now here in RP3 and Company. Dan, good morning, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, and you know it's funny you mentioned ESPN Plus uh, because – I, I sort of was thinking last night, how in the world did we ever live without this? Because let me tell you, I was strapped to my couch for three solid days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And all I did was bounce back and forth between games. The uh, NCAA, I mean, the ESPN Plus is the squeeze play show. That's like, the, that may be like the best thing in college athletics how they bounce around between games and so forth. It just makes it so much fun. It does uh, make it so much fun, uh, Dan, and makes it so much easier to keep track of all the other games that are going on. You get to uh, get a real feel for the action, which is great. Let's talk about the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Obviously, disappointing end. Uh, They felt like they had a chance down there. And Dawson and I talked about it yesterday is that it wasn't as if they played bad baseball. They just played teams that were playing better than them at that time. Uh, give me your thoughts on the season as a whole and how it ended for the Raging Cajuns. Oh, I think you're exactly right. And uh, and uh, Matt Deggs referred to it a couple of times during several times that he had, you know, postseason when we were talking to him. Uh, is that, you know, they, they, hit a, they hit a down period, you know, right toward the, two-thirds of the way through the season. And, you know, there were a lot of questions about this team, but they came back and did a lot of good things. I was I was comparing last year to this year. And, you know, this year, you know, they hit it a little better average-wise. You know, they hit it a lot better for power as compared to last year. They stole a lot more bases. Uh, they had a lot more people that hit more consistently. And they fielded it a ton better. This year, you know, they had 20 fewer errors this year than they did last season. Uh, the difference, and they and they weren't a bad fielding team last year. They fielded 972. They fielded 982 this year. I'm sure at the when the stats all come out at the end of the year, that that's going to be one of the top 25 marks in the country. Uh, they did a lot of things really well when you go back and compare it year over year. Uh, the one thing they didn't do better, and I know that they will readily admit that they've got to become more consistent on the bump. 
the uh, you know, earned run average last year was 4.2. This year it ended up almost 4.9. And they gave up a lot more walks, a whole lot more hit batsmen this year, year over year compared to last year. That's the area that I think they really have to improve. And I think that they will. Uh, you know, but that's, that's an area. And, and there are a lot of reasons for that, but they've got to get better on the bump if they really want to, as the cliche goes, take that next step, which they're very capable of doing. You mentioned, you know, frontline pitching. Everyone's looking for frontline pitching, and it was something that seemingly LSU was looking for more of it after Paul Skeens, and McNeese was looking for it after their frontline starter, and, and the same thing with the Cajuns. In addition to the frontline starting pitching that they would like to have, what are some of the other things that they'll be trying to address this offseason, and will they do it through normal recruiting, or will Matt Deggs have to go into the NCAA transfer portal to keep building on what they've done the last two years? I, I think they'll do both. Uh, as far as uh, bringing in new talent, because I mean, whether you like it or not, the transfer portal is here, and you know if you don't take advantage of it, you're going to fall behind. And now, will they rely ex- exclusively on that? No, I don't think that they're built that way. They'll, you know, if if they see somebody, it, you know, and somebody that they probably had a relationship before that ended up going somewhere else, that'll be the kind of guy that you, that you'll start seeing. But you know, it's you know, you, you say frontline pitching, and I say it's it's just pitching overall, uh, because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I mean, so there are a lot of factors in that. I mean, if you go back and look at last year's, at this year's, three starters that played that threw, they were starting pitchers for the first three games at Rice. Jackson Nazu was one of them. Struggled early, came on at the end of the year, but the other two guys that they started uh, in that opening series. Uh, Blake McGee, you know, basically hurt all year. He only played in six games and only threw 20 innings all season long. And Jake Hammond, who you know was kind of the heart and soul of that pitching staff, uh, except just w- wasn't healthy at the end of the year, wasn't able to do what he could do. So only really, Cajuns only had one of their three starters that they anticipated available at the end of the year. And there were some guys that sort of came and went in that staff. You know, Sam Hill started some games early in the year. Uh, Brendan Moody, his first, I think, five appearances this year were all starts. Uh, they, they just got to come become more consistent there. Now, everywhere else, you know, they're they're actually in pretty good shape as far as available bodies. And you know, you uh, they did have you know a pretty large senior class. Uh, you know, and I mean personally. I'll be stunned if both Julian Brock and Carson Rockefeller don't both get drafted fairly high, high enough where, you know, where they're probably have played their last game in a UL uniform. I think it'll be a pleasant surprise if either one of them comes back, but I don't expect that to happen. Catching is going to be a key. Uh, Clay Wargo, you know, didn't get a lot of chance to play this year because Julian Brock was there. Uh, but I think he's going to be very confident and don't know about his offensive production. Uh, but you know that uh, you know we had questions about catcher before Ford Julian Brock got there, so I think that will that will be a a big thing that they've got to address. Uh, you know, and after that, I think it's just filling some holes. They've got to fill some outfield holes. You know, but I, I think more than anything else, it's that pitching group. You know, they they have just got to find uh, to you, you've got to find more and you've got to find better. 
if you really want to be, you know, one of those, keep yourself established as one of the country's, you know, top, you know, top units as far as out of the proverbial mid majors. Uh, you know, that you you mentioned uh, they won the tournament last year. This year they didn't win the tournament. Got in as that large. I think that's a sign of respect for this program. Well, Dan, when you specifically kind of look at the regional appearance, and I know Coach Deggs was actually pretty clear about it, that it wouldn't have changed his mind about this group if they didn't get that bid. But getting the bid, going back, competing against some of the best programs of all time in the regional, the way it worked out, and going toe-to-toe with those teams, how big is it in the momentum of this program to have done that, been back to a regional, now back-to-back years, as opposed to if the committee wouldn't have recognized what they accomplished this season? Well, I, I think it, that was huge, you know. And yeah, he's right. You know this this was a this was a team that was a pretty good baseball team and a, a pretty much memorable baseball team for you know the Cajun staff. If they hadn't had their name pop up last Monday, now, but they did, and you know, good for them. They were able to make that second you know appearance, and you know, and and made didn't make the most of it, but made a little noise. Were in a position where they could have made a lot of noise. You know, I. You know, I was, you know, I mean, look at what Texas did. You know, I think that, and they, you know, if they were one pitch and one unbelievable defensive play away from from beating Texas in the first round, um, I think that it was it was huge for them to get that call to have that name pop up because it's just again that sign of respect. And we were sort of laughing about ESPN Plus earlier. A lot of people around the country, you know saw this team play probably more than at any point in the past because of the way ESPN does its coverage. And you know, commentators were saying the same thing. You know, this is a fun team to watch. And I think there are a lot of guys around the country that are right now playing in high school ball as, you know, sophomores and juniors. They, you know, they saw that team and they said, I kind of like the way they play. You know, maybe I want to be a part of that team. Maybe I want to consider doing that. Uh, I, I think it was a huge thing for them to play, you know, that extra week, even though they just had the one win and they had, you know, two, you know, losses to Texas and Miami. You know, you don't you don't hang your hat. You know, you don't hold your head down with the losses like that. I think it was huge that they were able to get into the postseason and do what they did. We're speaking with Dan McDonald, ESPN Plus commentator and Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer. Uh, Dan, you, you mentioned how great the coverage was overall, and I'm glad you said it because it's something I've been talking about the last couple of days, how much fun I had all weekend. What were some of your big takeaways just around the country with, with an incredible regional weekend that took place? Well, I, I, my absolute number one takeaway was, you know, I did not realize how good Wake Forest is. Uh, I, they are really, really, really good. I think there's a huge gap between them and, and the rest of the country the way they're playing right now. And they showed that again in the regional. And I know everybody's talking about, you know, we're in the, this is the 25th year of this format. And I don't think the overall number one seed has ever won uh, the College World Series in all of that time. But, you know, if they don't, I think it's a surprise. They are so good. They can hit, they can pitch, they can field. Their ERA is about, I think it's under three as a team, and that's just unheard of, you know, in this day and age. Uh, I, I really was impressed by them. The other team I really liked watching was TCU. And TCU was a team that a month ago they were not even in the tournament. I well remember in a lot of the projections of the field, they were that first four out. 
even if they made that, but they played their way in, they, they played better and better as the season goes along. I don't, I think they've lost maybe twice since the first of May. Uh, I mean, it's been an unbelievable run for them and the way they hit it during their regional. I mean, that was a very good Arkansas team that they just, you know, handled pretty much with ease for the most part. I'm really excited to kind of watch them and see how they take that going forward. But uh, I don't think there's uh, any question that Wake Forest is the best team in the country right now. Dan, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, Most of the field of the Super Regionals are from the big boy conferences, but we do have some teams that could be your quote-unquote Cinderella's from the group of five range southern miss the lone sunbelt team that makes it through they they win yesterday they're going to play tennessee oral roberts as a four seed they're in to a super regional and then of course indiana state the sycamores who will have to play their super regional at tcu of those three kind of smaller schools or smaller programs from smaller conferences rather who do you like to punch their ticket to omaha you, you, you know, I, I kind of like Oral Roberts, just the way they play. But can they consistently do that? You know, can they win a two out of three against really good competition? That that I don't know. I really don't think Southern Mississippi played nearly as well as they can over the weekend, but they still found a way to win. I'm going to be curious, and I don't even know if it's been announced yet. haven't checked. where where If they're going to get to host or not. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's – you know them in Tennessee. That's you know, that's that's pretty good. Uh, but uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of like the way Oral Roberts plays. They they put, sort of play carefree. They kind of remind me of some of those UL teams from you know back in the around the College World Series time. But you know, I was impressed by some of those teams. Uh, you know, some of the ones that played well and didn't get there. Uh, Penn. Penn, I thought, was great. And that's great for college baseball as far as getting it up in the Northeast where we've got to become more. If you're going to grow the game, that's where it's got to grow. It's got to grow in that area. Uh, I I was really impressed by them. I I was impressed by a lot of teams that were, you know, lower seeds. And, you know, I think there's a lot of talent out there that's not in those top five, the, the quote, big boy conferences right now. Dan? Appreciate your time and your insight as always, brother. Enjoy watching the Super Regionals this coming weekend, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. I know. I, I don't know what I'm going to do between now and Friday. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like to find something to do. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Oh, don't forget that here at the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, we know you love our shenanigans both on and off there. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Game Louisiana. That's at the Game Louisiana. Turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. So go see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at the Game Louisiana on YouTube. Once again, that is 
at the game Louisiana on YouTube. I want to take a moment to thank our guest. It was a tremendous Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company. Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate, and Dan McDonald, Louisiana Sports Hall of Famer, joined us today. Final results of the poll question of the day. What was the biggest surprise of the NCAA baseball regionals? 45% of you say Arkansas getting smashed. 27% of you saying Vanderbilt losing. 18% say Oral Roberts advancing. 10% say Indiana State surviving. I'm very disappointed no one had any uh, write-in votes about Kevin Foote living it up on South Beach and enjoying the Miami lifestyle because we know that's right up his alley. No, no, it's not. Yeah, no food in the press box. Apparently, was the oh, big downer of the week. That's 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 the worst thing probably for his trip. <laughs> but thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day, and all of you who left your comments, it's greatly appreciated. You making us part of your morning. Vegas Golden Knights went up 2-0. pretty dominant, seven to two last night. So there you go, Jamie. There's your hockey. I mean, there, look, you know. Series isn't over until somebody wins on the road, but um, well, it hasn't started yet. No, it's it wouldn't be over if someone wins on the road. But Vegas looks like they're in good shape. Headed to Florida though for Game Three. We'll see. Vegas, Florida, Canada is thrilled <laughs> as the drought continues. Oh, that's gonna do it for today's edition. We'll be back on tomorrow. Oh man, we're gonna be talking to the Mad Dog Ron Higgins from Tiger Details. Get a little preview of the Super Regional battle between Kentucky and LSU. We had Jay Walker lined up, voice of the Raging Cajuns, put a bow on everything, Vermillion and White as well. Plus, of course, we'll take your phone calls as always, 337-706-0111. For the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo, a.k.a. D'Lo, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow. But until then, be safe out there, be kind to one another, Kevin Foote, that's right, the gloriousness that is Kevin Foote has returned. He'll be live in studio for Footnotes. That's up next right here on The Game.